0: This is episode 26 of Ripe Good Scholar. Queen Elizabeth as the Fairy Queen. For example, when they returned from the hunt, she was met by three men who were like the spirits protectors of the woods and looked the part too. Like would have makeup and headpieces and clothing, oh. costumes. Like it wasn't just like dudes. It was, it was a whole shebang.
1: It would have been nice if it was just dudes
0: though. Oh, am spirit of the woods. This is Stephanie Criniola, host of Protest Too Much podcast, and you're listening to Ripe Good Scholar.
2: Welcome to Ripe Good Scholar with Sarah Plaskett. Sarah believes that in order to fully understand the relevance of Shakespeare's works in the 21st century, you must examine the history those plays have travelled through since Shakespeare wrote them. Ripe Good Scholar is the show that dives into the archives, theatres and museums to explore the historical evolution of Shakespeare's plays. Join us in examining when and why they were written in the first place, as well as how they have been utilised around the world since then, so that you can see for yourself how the plays continue to be as relevant today as they were in the 16th century. And now, here's Sarah. hello
0: and welcome to ripe good scholar in 1575 elizabeth traveled to the home of robert dudley and while there was greeted by the lady of the lake herself from that point forward it became a trope to compare elizabeth to the fairy queen even shakespeare himself dipped his toes in the fairy waters with a midsummer night's dream but his flattery was a little different than you may be expecting. For this episode, I looked at the Queen's 1575 Northern Progression, The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer, and Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, along with various articles on the subject. If you want to learn even more about Queen Elizabeth and the Fairy Court, head on over to ripegoodscholar.com EP26. Now, Let's head to 1575. So today we're going to be looking at some of the key instances when Queen Elizabeth was compared to the fairy queen. Interesting. It was kind of done more frequently than you might think. Really? Yeah, uh, mostly because they wanted to flatter her, obviously.
1: I mean, that makes sense. She did execute a lot of people.
0: Kind of harken back to the old days of King Arthur and the legend. And, you know, what was the previous golden age of England?
1: Okay. So like the kind of harkening back to the mythic era because the more recent era was less harkenable.
0: Yes. And also kind of making a comparison of Elizabeth's reign as a second golden age for England.
1: Okay. So that was happening while she was still alive. Like, I know that it's treated that way now. I didn't realize that was the propaganda at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. I think it served a couple of purposes, especially how it got started, which we'll get into in just a second. I remember reading somewhere, and unfortunately I cannot remember which biography it was in, and it's such a small line, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, that Elizabeth somewhat enjoyed her court being compared to the fairy court. She kind of liked that vibe, especially in her early reign, you know dancing feasts arts you know it was this really magical time and that's what she wanted it to be and that's what she kind of liked
1: interesting so she was like i will be a disney princess even if i have to be queen to do it
0: i mean yeah think of what all she went through she went through the ringer she deserved a few disney princess years
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't we all
0: she was locked in the tower she didn't need no prince
1: she just needed her sister to die
0: has to be a sacrifice.
1: And that brings us to Midsummer, the no. story of what?
0: <laughs> oh. One of the first instances that I, at least I came across, was her northern progression of 1575 where she stayed at Kenilworth Castle, which was the home of Robert Dudley, the Earl of Leicester, her known favorite at the time, and since then long-suspected lover. I don't think they actually ever slept together, but he was a top contender for her to marry for a while. Interesting.
1: So from what I know about English history, most of the time when a monarch had a bunch of favorites, uh, everyone got jealous and started backstabbing and rebelling.
0: Yeah, I mean, there didn't always need need to be a favorite for that to happen. And Elizabeth, it wasn't quite so much favorites. Like, Richard II had favorites, and only the favorites got all the stuff. Mm. Whereas she spread the love a little bit.
1: She wasn't like, well, my favorite gets everything. She was just like, I like him.
0: He was clearly one of her closest friends. I mean, this could be a whole podcast in and of itself. I don't think she ever had any sort of sexual relationship with robert dudley there were too many people around her all the time her entire life yeah well they they were locked in the tower together for a while which i think a lot of times when we picture like elizabeth was locked in the tower like you know you picture like her in this dark danky room with bars on the windows When kings and queens before they were crowned stayed at the tower until they did their procession to um Westminster. So, like, there were cushy rooms and she was allowed to just like walk around. Okay. So she could walk through the grounds and stuff like that.
1: It was like being locked in a mansion.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like a slightly more high security mansion. It was harder to bust her out, and which is what Mary was worried about at the time. But anyway, she had been friends with Robert Dudley for a long time. I think she did love him. I think that if she could have gotten the approval of the people around her. Um, her privy council and the public, and to an extent, the other nobles, she probably would have married him. Interesting. I think. This is pure Sarah thoughts here. I think it's clear she loved him, but she also made it clear pretty quickly that that was not going to happen. So in 1575, Robert Dudley's wife has conveniently died around five years prior to this, if not longer. So wife is out of the way. Robert Dudley is hot and on the market. And Elizabeth's coming to his house.
1: Yeah.
0: He's having a monarch stay at his home. Mm-hmm. This was a big deal. You ha- you were expected to put on entertainments.
1: Yes. You would
0: know, be very gauche to have the monarch board at your house. Can you imagine? So there were a lot of different kind of, you know, fun little entertainments. So there were some things more clearly prepared. For example, there was a water pageant done at, I'm assuming, a pond on his land. Um, but this was well known enough that this was going to happen that kind of local people came to see it. Yeah, This is notable because Kenilworth is not far from Stratford and Shakespeare would have been 11 at this time.
1: Okay.
0: The reason we suspect that Shakespeare may have been there is that in A Midsummer Night's Dream, Oberon refers to watching a mermaid singing, um, riding a dolphin. That happened in that pageant. There was like a mechanical dolphin and mermaids. And and then there were just kind of, you know, and then of course there was music and there was this big song she was supposed to hear that I guess she she like literally written for this occasion that she just was like, nah. (laughs) Um, Partly because... Dudley clearly had a motive to his visit. Oh. It wasn't all just, let's entertain the queen. There was a little bit of, look, here at Kenilworth, we can trace our family lineage back to King Arthur and the golden age of really? England. Wouldn't he be a great choice for husband? Not quite that straightforward, but, like, close
1: hmm that's a, okay now that seems gauche that's, the the lineage thing is funny to me because no one can trace the lineage of king arthur
0: and then there were some of these more like oh she just happened by them which i love i love that he like you know planted actors throughout his home for example when they returned from the hunt she was met by three men who were like the spirits protectors of the woods and looked the part, too. Like, would have makeup and headpieces and oh. clothing, costumes. Like, it wasn't just, like, dudes. It was it was a whole shebang.
1: It would have been nice if it was just dudes,
0: though. Okay. Oh, Miss Sparey of the Woods! Then another one was the Lady of the Lake. She sails across the water. And she gave over the lake, the lodge, the lord. To the royal command. Now, Elizabeth at this point was getting kind of tired of all this, so she apparently responded, she apparently thanked her and then said, We thought indeed that the lake had been ours, and do you call it yours now? Well, we will hear in common with you hereafter. <laughs> Just, she's like, We'll talk later, lady of the lake.
1: <laughs> she was feeling sassy,
0: and like I said, there was some big ballad song that was supposed to be sung to her, and she Didn't want much to do with it. Leicester didn't pick up what she was laying down.
1: Wait, a guy didn't wasn't taking a no. I know it's well. It
0: wasn't so much a no as I just I don't think she flat out was like this is rude and I don't like it as much as she'd say snarky side comments like that. And he was just like she loves it. (laughs) She left Kenilworth suddenly. (laughs) (laughs) That is
1: not what you're usually going for when you're trying to woo a queen.
0: I saw mentions to around the time of Kenilworth, she went to a another home where she had actually lived for a while called Woodstock. Robert Dudley didn't stop there. Of course he didn't, because he was going to be a patron of an up-and-coming new poet named Edmund Spencer.
1: Oh no, wait, what? Dudley was Spencer's sponsor? <laughs> yes. Yeah. First of all, Spencer's sponsor is
0: fun to say.
1: Second of all, oh no.
0: Spencer, probably around 1575 or not long after, started writing The Fairy Queen. Okay. His original intent was to write 12 books reflecting on the 12 virtues. And so each knight would go on a quest exhibiting said virtue, apparently ending with Arthur's reuniting and marrying Loriana the fairy queen okay as he laid out in his letter to sir walter raleigh in the 1596 publication of the six books we ended up with
1: so edmund spencer wrote archaically back then
0: yeah i mean and i think that's what he was kind of going for was the again the king arthur vibe remember his patron was
1: trying to harken back to king arthur who was apparently his ancestor which is weird because he didn't exist
0: Part of the reason that we, that they assume Edmund Spencer started writing this in the mid-1570s was because Robert Dudley got married again in 1578 to one of Elizabeth's ladies. Wow. I mean, he got exiled from court for a while. Not like exiled out of the country, but like, you should take your new wife home now. Part of what caused it was they got married without her permission. And especially like people at court. We're supposed to get her permission, especially like her ladies.
1: Yeah, that seems like a
0: bad call. Also, her ladies had a habit of doing this because I think someone did it uh, with Sir Walter Raleigh. Get <laughs> control of your ladies.
1: Get your ladies under control. You can't control ladies.
0: Spencer only finished six of the intended 12 books, as we know, because we only have six, because he died. <laughs> that
1: does usually inhibit completing your.
0: But keep in mind, we believe he started writing it around like 1575 and was still alive to write an introduction in 1596, which was the first time some of the books were published.
1: Oh, wow. So they got
0: published again like a few years later. And I'm just saying, like, it had been a minute. He could have finished the It was 20 years, sir. In the first couple books, you can really see his intent, which was to convince Elizabeth to marry Dudley. Because Elizabeth was also called Gloriana. So Fairy Queen, many names, one of them being Gloriana. Okay. Slept with King Arthur. And then at the end of this virtue quest, Arthur was going to marry Gloriana.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: So wouldn't that have been quite the coup for Spencer to predict that? However...
1: It took him so long to write it that by the time he he could have published it, she had been well she she was what sixty.
0: If we keep in mind that when he started writing, and uh, again probably the mid 1570s, yeah, the intent was to try to convince her, her to marry Robert Dudley. Well, Robert Dudley up and got married like a couple years later.
1: You know, this is why you got to hit your deadlines, writers, and I'm talking mostly to me.
0: As the six books we have continue, he clearly loses the point because now she is past getting married and bearing children. That ship has sailed. Now, there are a number of female characters in The Fairy Queen. Some of which seem to reflect different aspects of Elizabeth's personality or a woman's personality. There's like a warrior woman. Ritamard, who's pretty great. The most obvious one is Gloriana. But throughout this, the message is, isn't marriage great? Oh, yeah. The virtue of getting married.
1: Yes. I think the first book, The Virtue, was Chastity. Which, in the Protestant sense of the time, wasn't like staying a virgin which is what queen elizabeth did it was staying faithful in marriage yeah and
0: now as we get into the later years then it starts being a little more crazy of like then staying a virgin but you can clearly see where the wind was out of his sails because his whole mission for this was like womp, womp, womp.
1: shoulda written faster
0: you mean, 20 years wasn't fast enough
1: 20 years To convince a woman to marry is a lot. True. I mean, I think I had you convinced in five.
0: What I find very interesting with the Gloriana character is that we don't actually see her in the books we have. She's talked about, but she doesn't like appear. But when she's talked about, it's because to kind of kick off Arthur's quest to find her and presumably marry her, he has an encounter with her in the woods where they sleep together. And in the morning, he wakes up and she's gone. And then it's kind of like, oh, did that happen? I have to find her, which I found interesting.
1: Because that happens to Bottom.
0: Yeah, so Bottom he's hilariously given the donkey head, and then Titania falls in love with him because of a love potion, and they spend the night together with her doting on him and caressing him, and they fall asleep next to each other. And then Oberon's like, (laughs) "I got what I wanted, so let's wake up Titania now." So they do, and she's like, "Oh, slash, good one, honey."
1: The way we've set up the layers that we're unpacking here. Good commentary on Leicester.
0: And then Bottom wakes up and is like, oh, did that even really happen? What a weird dream. I'm going to have so-and-so write a poem about my dream.
1: Ooh, it might actually be a dig at Leicester.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Midsummer was written after the Fairy Queen was released. Okay. For public consumption.
1: Do you think the Midsummer Night's Dream was uh, seizing on the popularity of the Fairy Queen? Yes. Or do you think it was making fun of the Fairy
0: Queen? I think it was seizing on the popularity uh, to an extent. I do. I our revelation here on Bottom and Leicester and the poem writing is a new one. I didn't think of that. I didn't come across it in my reading. Like this literally happened just now, but. To rewind a little bit, after the Fairy Queen, and, and I think that while it was published in 1596, I imagine manuscripts were passed around court or it was recited or something. I don't think it was just in a room in Spencer's house for 20 years. But maybe it was, I don't know. I know he was pretty well known at court, so I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, would read some of it every now and then. I don't know,
1: though. Yeah, that seems like something he would do. And it feels like it would be exactly as cringy as i imagine
0: no i mean like you said it was pretty well written and I think that it would be a court entertainment it's not like i'm not saying he'd like randomly bust out his poem i think elizabeth or someone else would be like read a bit of your poem
1: so that was kind of how they passed the time in court like i
0: think so basically once the fairy queen got out it was it was practically a trope yeah to compare elizabeth to the fairy queen and in fact at some other castle, she visited called like which I found hilarious called Elvetham. Elvetham, I think I might be super pronouncing that wrong. I don't know. Leicester doesn't look like Leicester to me, but anywho, they did a similar type of the fairy queen appeared and talked to Elizabeth and flattered her. And
1: well, that's fun.
0: It was a thing people did. <laughs>
1: it's just such an odd trend, <laughs> you know. Every once in a while, the queen comes by, so you gotta have hire someone to pretend to be a fairy to call her pretty.
0: And as we said earlier. Um, Oberon talking about the mermaid on a dolphin type of pageant thing is probably a reference back to Kenilworth. Whether Shakespeare was there or not, he probably knew of it. Like it would have been a pretty cool thing to happen. Like there was a mechanical dolphin there.
1: Yeah. I honestly
0: like. I want to see this Tudor mechanical dolphin.
1: Yeah, that sounds like I said that sounds pretty awesome.
0: Now there is one more reference probably to Queen Elizabeth in Midsummer that I did not know about. In Act 2, Scene 1, this is part of the scene where Oberon is talking about the flower, and this is when the dolphin mermaid stuff comes in. But also in that scene, in a whole different part, he refers to um, Cupid's arrow attempting to pierce a fair vestal and it being shunned away. Most believe that this was a reference to Elizabeth because fair Vestal would be a virgin. Yeah. You know, again, this is the 1590s at this point. Now her virginity was more often praised than criticized. Like she obviously wasn't getting married now. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, this fair, beautiful virgin queen, you know, it's why we have Virginia.
1: Comparing her to a Vestal, like the virgin priestesses of the goddess of the hearth that really really, uh, connects her virginity to something holy and revered.
0: Yeah, so I think that, you know, that is probably a reference. And, you know, she end- she never did get married, so she never experienced Cupid's shaft. Giggity. In all likelihood, Shakespeare was trying to flatter the queen. And even if...
1: Shakespeare was trying to flatter the queen? I think so. Yeah?
0: I mean, she was a pretty well-known patron of the arts, even though she didn't ever, you know become the patron of their troupe. she invited them to court frequently oh it would make sense I mean to, to have a actual royal patron would be a big deal as it was when he did the same thing to try to flatter James and it worked with Macbeth and James became patron of their acting troop interesting so I think it makes sense for him to try to flatter her because like court appearances are going to be good For business and you know this is the thing that probably a lot of writers were doing at the time and nobles and everybody you try to flatter the queen she's the queen
1: now do you think that the reason that they didn't score that sweet royal commish was that he had the fairy queen her stand-in make out with a donkey-faced idiot
0: well so that's the thing though shakespeare doesn't directly compare elizabeth to his fairy queen to titania yes it's not as clear that titania is supposed to be a stand-in for queen elizabeth i think more the references to the fair vestal and things like that are talking about
1: the elizabeth more of the asides
0: yeah he wasn't being quite as direct and i mean i think she i don't know she probably dug stories about fairies This is also pretty early in his writing career, but I think what would be interesting to think about, though... You know, let's let's play in this bottom-is-Dudley space for a minute. By this time, he might be dead. Editing Sarah here, Robert Dudley was absolutely dead by this time. He died in 1588. But he certainly had been kicked out of court and largely fallen out of favor. Perhaps... And this is a big perhaps, This is like I said, we're playing in this space for a minute. Let's play in this space. Perhaps Robert Dudley was seen kind of as ridiculous. So to set up basically a mirror of the scene made in the fairy queen, which I think that appeared in like book one. Yeah. That was made when Robert Dudley was sponsoring Edmund Spencer to write a poem to convince Elizabeth to marry him.
1: And to write a mirror of that
0: to mock Leicester. Perhaps she enjoyed that. <laughs> I And I don't know how much he thought Elizabeth might actually even ever see this. Midsummer was one of his earlier plays. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for him to kind of just tell a fun little fanciful fairy story. Maybe get some digs in at Dudley and Spencer. Flatter Elizabeth as a virgin. Because I don't think he compares Elizabeth to Titania because Titania is not a great person. Donkey kissing aside... Like, her and Oberon are not great people.
1: Oh, just because she kidnaps a child and keeps him as a plaything.
0: Okay, first of all, she doesn't kidnap him. She takes him in after his mother dies. One of her, like, priestesses. I mean, they're literally, like, bickering and causing, like, horrible storms to rip apart the country. They're kind of petty. I want to be clear that although this entire thing has been a setup of, like, comparing Elizabeth to the fairy queen... I don't think Shakespeare was trying to compare Elizabeth to Titania.
1: Okay. Yeah, it was more of a motif that Elizabeth enjoyed. And so he ran with it because sucking up to royalty is something you do when there's a monarchy.
0: Well, you know, and again, this is 20, 25 years later. The trope had probably won Pink kind of Blade to death. Because, I, like I said, my suspicion is that... 1596 was the first time, at least that we know of, that the Fairy Queen was published. I don't think that's the first time anybody heard of or knew of the Fairy Queen. Yeah, that's an
1: interesting motif that uh, you see appearing again and again with her. It's almost like a three-year-old says, I like unicorns. And then for the next 15 years, every one of their relatives gives them unicorns their birthday.
0: Thank you for listening to Ripe Good Scholar. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to go to ripegoodscholar.com slash EP26 for even more information on Queen Elizabeth and the fairies. The show notes for every episode are filled with additional resources and facts that can help you further explore this topic. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps others find our podcast so our community of scholars can grow. Also, make sure you are on our mailing list to receive a free digital download and be kept up to date on everything going on over at Ripe Good Scholar. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ripe Good Scholar to keep the Shakespeare fun going all day, every day. That's all for now. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
2: Thank you for listening to Ripe Good Scholar. As always, the deepest dives and best discussions are happening after the show at ripegoodscholar.com. Join us over there to lend your perspective and engage with fellow scholars. We would love to hear from you. That's all for today. And remember, our court shall be a little academe, still and contemplative in living art.